and back with the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Once again, this is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the guru. <laughs> you love how I say it off key like that. Of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, you got to catch it today on everywhere we're on, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast outlets, or on the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and the PCC Multiverse. It is my good friend. It is Mr. Tyler Baker. Happy International Podcast Day to you, my friend. Yeah, you too, buddy. It's good to be on. It's a pleasure. Well, it is a pleasure, but Tyler, I enjoy having you on so much that I decided to bring a guest in. Sweet. He is the co-host of Inside Sports. You got to catch it today. Him and Charles Smith do an amazing job of covering the sports world. It is regularly on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more outlets. It is a great man indeed who knows the inside when it comes to football. It is Chris Lardieri. How's it going, Chris? It's going great. Thank you both for having me on and intruding on uh, what I find to be a very very entertaining wrap-up of the NFL week, as it were. So thanks again. My son, who's an NFL addict like myself, was excited to hear I'm going on yet another podcast and especially one that specializes on fantasy football as I am brainwashing him on the game we love so much. <laughs> well, it sounds like the brainwashing is going well. And thank you so much. We love being, you know, actually, I, I'll tell you what, I'm actually thinking about renaming the fantasy football Pater podcast behind Tyler's Baker's back. You know what I'm going to name it? Yet Let's... another podcast. I like that. <laughs> but you gave, me the, you gave me the inspiration. I like that indeed. <laughs> but it is the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. We truly appreciate you listening to us. There's an obvious starting place as far as the week in the NFL, and it all starts off in Chicago. <laughs> so I ask you, Mr. Tyler Baker, I'll start off with you, my friend, because we've touched on this before. Is the Fitzmagic over and the legend of the Trubisky is about <laughs> to begin? Well, the Fitz magic has turned into a Fitz pumpkin, unfortunately. He was close to getting benched last week, and this week they went ahead and put in Jameis Winston. That's their guy. That's their franchise guy. But you're right. The real story in this game was Mitch Trubisky. Six no, touchdowns. No, 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 no. Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell. You're right. Six touchdowns. Right. He deserves to be called Mitchell. <laughs> Lest I offend. Mitchell Trubisky, six touchdowns, led the team in rushing. And if there's a fantasy takeaway, it's that if you have anybody playing the Buccaneers defense, play them. I agree with you on that. It just looks very apparent that they have a very nice, soft and smooth defense that you can just glide right through like butter. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, a couple things I want to ask you here. First thing is, is with Ryan Fitzpatrick, is the benching of Fitzpatrick fair because I'm not going to say it's fair to me after the guy threw three straight 400 yard games the only individual ever to do so in the NFL by the way got pulled after the first half so quickly and number two do you think Mitchell Trubisky going forward the legend of Trubisky is going to continue and he's going to be a number one starting quarterback for fantasy football owners going forward. 
Okay, first uh, over to Fitz Magic, who I'd like to rename Fitz Mean Reversion as it's looking like right here now uh, after four weeks. But regardless, look, it was a blowout at halftime. The Bears really got a, a big league. And at that point, Dirk Cutter's really got a hard situation on his hands, regardless of what happens today. He's got the number one pick, the the franchise quarterback on the bench. And you know the media is circling, not only in Tampa, but nationally over this story. So uh, at this point in a blowout, Cutter can essentially say, and yeah, I'm going to put my Dirk Cutter hat on now and say, well, we need to give Jameis some reps. He's been suspended and we don't want Fitzpatrick to get hurt. Or at the same time, he wants to see, you know, if, if it, the Fitz magic has run out, let's see what Winston has. If he has a crappy game, which he really did not light anything up by any means today, then we could say, well, we're going back to Fitzpatrick. We gave Winston a shot. So it's a real dicey situation, but I wouldn't write anything off after a, a massive blowout. Number two, Trubisky. I don't think he's a second coming of Pat Mahomes. No one is because Patrick Mahomes is the greatest fantasy football quarterback who ever lived. If you <laughs> listen to the experts after three weeks, Jared Goff's now a close second, by the way. But I do think he, he's not as bad as everyone thought he is. He's not as great as he performed this week against the moribund Buccaneers defense, like you mentioned. But that said, remains to be seen if he's an every week starter. I mean, myself, I think someone like an Andy Dalton will probably outscore him on a week to week basis. But worth stashing on your bench and potentially playing down the stretch if things continue to improve. And look, Nagy's done a great job in Chicago. It could have easily be 4 0 were it not for the miraculous comeback from Aaron Rodgers in week one. Yeah, and with Trubitsky, it really is going to be matchup-based. You put him up against a good defense, he's not going to do the things that he did today, in, in my opinion. At least we haven't seen it yet. I feel bad for you, Mitchell. You're still not getting the 100% love here at the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, but there is hope. There is hope for Mitchell. It is Chris Lardieri from Inside Sports and also Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. One of the things that I also want to talk to you guys about and get your opinion on is also keying in on the running backs because there were two situations which, again, affected a lot of fantasy football owners, including myself, in both Seattle and Jacksonville. Tyler, I'll start with you first again in regards to, let's start with the Seattle situation where it looked like Chris Carson was going to get the go-ahead to be a healthy individual out there but it looks like he just couldn't make the call and in doing so Pete Carroll coach of the Seattle Seahawks instead of going to their first round pick Rashad Penny changed it up and went to veteran Mike Davis who mm -hmm. ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns today how surprised were you with that and going forward does that mean that any owner out there for Chris Carson might have some problems with with keeping him on your roster going forward well, I think you keep him on the roster. I, I expected Chris Carson to play. I had him in a in a league. I actually held him out because I had a better option. But Mike Davis is a guy that's been around, and he's always been one of those good running backs that really just didn't get a shot. And from what I'm hearing, Seattle, they want to see more things from Penny. They want him to lose a little weight. So they're not really comfortable in playing him right now. I mean, he's a first-round draft pick, and he's just not ready for prime time. At least that's that's what uh, Carroll showed us today. But Mike Davis came in, did a good job. Moving forward, you have to understand that this production from Davis is due to Carson being hurt. Um, I think I think Carson's a better runner when he's healthy, but you know when is he going to be healthy? So there are going to be some question marks there. You definitely don't drop him, and I don't know how much of a pickup Mike Davis is at this point. Maybe if you're desperate at running back, but I don't think you roster him after one performance based on another player's injury. 
Chris, I also want to ask you about another running back situation in Jacksonville where we thought, in fact, Tyler and I discussed this on our segment on the PCC Multiverse that landed on Friday, where we talked about how Leonard Fournette was looking a little bit better in practice and that he looked like he was going to be a go for this weekend. But unfortunately, it didn't really turn out that way for him and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and I think you have to be concerned going forward. And people poo-poo it, oh, it's a hamstring injury. But these things can can just linger and nag throughout the year. And clearly, uh, it was affecting his running. Uh, hopefully, if you are a Fournette owner, you, you handcuffed him with TJ Yeldon before or after week one. But I think going forward, it's going to be one of these where it's a week-to-week and an old school uh, watching the pregame shows to see if he even plays or he can make a run after warm-up. So if you're a Fournette owner, something to be concerned about. If you don't have Yeldon, I, I think you better look to your bench to make sure you've got another option to start. But same thing, I, I still feel going back that it could hamper his effectiveness here this year until he's completely done. I mean, I heard someone talking about hamstring injuries, and they were saying this past week that – it's a case where you may need to sit out a few weeks before it's completely healed as opposed to trying to go at it 75% where you can tweak it or you're just not as fast or efficient as you once were. So uh, it's got to be a frustrating situation if you're a Fournette owner. It is, and you're not going to feel comfortable playing him until you see a game where he gets in there and he gets a full workload and he makes it through the game unscathed. And being that they're going to be cautious with him, who knows when that game's going to be? It could be a month from now because they have a competent uh, backup in TJ Yeldon, and if they can run the ball with both of them until they know that Fournette's 100% ready to go, then that's what they're going to do. So as a fantasy owner, you're going you're, you're just going to have to weather it until you see a game where he gets the full workload and makes it through that game. Then you're going to feel comfortable starting him every week. Well, I want to interject with something, and that is TJ Yeldon himself has been slowed down with injuries yeah. and actually didn't have a great game himself by his usual standards, usually when he replaces Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and so they might just be on a little juggling routine now. <laughs> I mean, that could be the uh, the Jacksonville running game moving forward with a little bit of Corey Grant thrown in there. I think this epitomizes the frustration of 2018 fantasy football between injuries and committees, and, and you guys have hit on this in previous podcasts. The running back isn't what it once was. I mean, if you've got someone like a uh, an Alvin Kamara or even a Saquon Barkley, where you know he's almost an every down back and he can catch the ball, great. But it seems like those are, are rare birds, few and far between. So yeah. um, until then, it's a lot of speculating on the waiver wire, stashing guys, either hoping that your guy gets his chance or their injuries ahead of him in the depth chart. And even Kamara's situation, uh, even though it looks definitive for now, could change on the fly and be very fluid with Mark Ingram coming back from his four-game suspension. The Saints can have two very good running backs and and they've showed that in the past but i would expect kamara to take a little bit of a dip when ingram comes back now chris you and i have both known charles smith the man behind the inside sports show that you co-host on is a big miami dolphins fan and <laughs> there was a few weeks where we were starting to to maybe kind of buy in on the miami dolphins as a as a solid you know team a, they came in undefeated to New England. They were looking like they were on a high, and New England was kind of on, be on a low, and things were kind of looking a little bit grim for Belichick's team. What happened with Miami today in regards to 
their loss to New England where they just went in and got smoked 100%. Yeah, and uh, this is one of the few games I predicted right on our podcast last week. I thought the uh, the rumors of the Patriots' demise were at least somewhat <laughs> exaggerated. And until Ryan Tannehill and or, uh, and or his Dolphins teammates go into Foxborough and, and uh, beat them resoundingly, I, I was skeptical and guess I was proven right. Look, Ryan Tannehill up one nine of his last 10 starts. That's great. But uh, I think this guy epitomizes mediocrity at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I tend to think Charles agrees with me. But the Dolphins had three nice wins. It was a nice little run. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think they're a playoff team. And even a Patriots team uh, running not quite as full speed as they have been in previous years is clearly superior to the Dolphins. And we saw that today. Does Charles actually go and snap back at you when you tell him those words? <laughs> He doesn't. I'm sure he wants to, but he's the consummate professional and podcast host. But I think at the end of the day, and and we do have one thing in common, we are uh, huge Dan Marino fans, and we both long for the days of a a Hall of Fame quarterback behind center in Miami. Well, unless there's another Ace Ventura coming soon, I don't think you're going to see Dan Marino. He's not even pitching any more isotoner gloves at this point in time. So, yeah, I I think it's off to retirement for him. We'll be right back with more of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Tyler, speaking of New England and Miami, Mm -hmm. that sound everybody's hearing is Tyler Baker once again patting himself on the back (laughs) because he got it right not once but twice when it came to the running back situation in New England because, yes, while Sonny Michelle was an actual stud out there running the ball, James White was really not too bad either in what he does best as far as becoming a big-time receiver for Tom Brady. Yeah, and they really need help. Next week, I think everything changes. Julian Edelman will be back. I think that really is going to put the offense doing what they want to do. And I think you're going to see Chris Hogan get more involved at that point. And if they can get Rob Gronkowski healthy, then we're going to be back to watching the Patriots do what they do, which is win football games. But it was good to see Sonny Michelle getting getting a full workload. I mean, 25 rushes. That's a that's a full workload. I haven't watched the game yet, so I can't really comment on how he looked, but I would assume just by looking at those numbers that he's starting to fit into this offense and I would I would expect him to be the guy moving forward. I mean, it looks like just by the numbers that they trust him now and that was something that I was concerned with because missing missing so much of camp and in, in, uh, in a preseason, you know, having to get the rookie up to speed, they showed some trust today and how many carries they gave him and it looks like he did a good job. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. And also with us as a guest, we are truly glad to have him here. 
It is Chris Lardieri from Inside Sports. You can catch his show and our show, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, as well on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. And again, Chris Lardieri and Charles Smith anchor the Inside Sports Show. That is a sports show you cannot afford to miss. Chris, I want to talk to you about Tennessee and Philadelphia. Is it me or do a lot of people have a tendency to overlook Tennessee as far as not only a quality NFL team, but also having a lot of quality NFL fantasy football options as well? Absolutely. There's always been that bias. And I know there are a lot of people out there, myself included, who've had Marcus Mariota in previous fantasy seasons. And you know, he's, he's kind of been average and up and down and spotty. But just looking at it as a football team, I think you have to be impressed. This is a playoff team that got rid of their coach. And Mike Rabel comes in and he's, if anything, tweaked things and made, improved on things. And the fact that we say what you want about the Eagles, they're, they're not playing like they were last year in their Super Bowl season, but mm-hmm. still they're the defending champs. And they go down there in Tennessee and, and Tennessee, frankly, I thought at one point they were going to be left for dead and didn't even think they had a chance in overtime. you got two key fourth down conversions from Mariota. Corey Davis, the man who frustrated me last year in fantasy, catches a great touchdown to win it. But I think the thing with them is you never know where the touchdowns or the, the points are coming from or what Mariota will show up or if he'll even be healthy. So from that perspective, I completely agree that they are frustrating. But they're not a team you can overlook. From week to week, there are points to be had. But I think there's uh, got to be some sort of magic algorithm out there to figure it because I, I don't know how to make heads or tails of that team. But they've, they've got some some fantasy value there somewhere, I'd say. The disbursement of the yards and, and whatnot from a rushing and receiving seems to get so dispersed among several players. And you're right, Mariota never seems to have that breakout game that everybody seems to be hoping for. Tyler, you concur or do you, do you think opposite on, on what Charles was saying? No, I, I concur. The really frustrating part is that running game. It hasn't been very good, and it looks like this team wants to move through Mariota. And, you know, he comes in, his, his elbow isn't completely healed, but he played. And it's nice to see Corey Davis step up and do what, what we knew Corey Davis could do. And now that Rashard Matthews is gone, Taiwan Taylor, Tajay Sharp had an appearance today. So, you know, not having Delaney Walker, not having Rashard Matthews, those pieces that were so important for that offense in the past, you know, it's kind of like a new crop coming in. Again, the rushing side of this team, I don't know if I want much part in it. And as awesome as Deion Lewis is, until I see a game that he really steps up, it's hard to even play Deion Lewis at this point. Now, on the other side of the ball, the Philadelphia Eagles, the reigning Super Bowl champions, they're still having a hard time getting underway, finding some consistency, finding a good rhythm. What are your thoughts on the fantasy football options for the Philadelphia Eagles going forward? Because last year was stats aplenty, but this year, not so much. Well, Jordan Matthews is back, which is kind of weird. <laughs> I didn't understand today why they didn't go to Dallas Goddard as much as I thought maybe they would have. They definitely utilized Zach Ertz, but somehow Nelson Aguilar ended up getting a lot of the targets. With Alshon Jeffrey back, you know, it was his first game back, and and he did really well for his first game back. I think that this team is going to 
given another week or two with with Jeffrey and and uh, Wince because they both been hurt. <laughs> you know, give them give them some more time to kind of rekindle what they've had. I think if they utilize the tight ends more, they're going to make up for those deficiencies in the running game because Jaji, you know, with a fractured back, who knows, you know, how effective he's going to be right now. The running game is not is not looking good, and there's things that you can do as as in in offense with Darren Sproles on the field that you can't do without Darren Sproles. So, you know, get them as healthy as they can. And I think you're going to see a lot more of what you saw last year, but until they get to that point, and it'll probably take a couple of weeks before they get to the point where they're reminding us of what they did last year. One thing I got to ask you guys is in regards to the Browns and the Raiders. And that's a little bit of an amusing thing when it comes to the Browns and Raiders, because Everybody was on a such a high as far as Cleveland fans. They had just come off a win a week ago Thursday against Sam Darnold and the Jets. Everything was looking good. They actually performed very strong mm-hmm. in the first half against the Raiders, but it just kind of fell apart in the second half. And Baker Mayfield went from the super stud and the rookie of the year, hands down, in the first half to something altogether different. Chris, can you share with us your thoughts as far as the the Browns and the Raiders on both sides where it just seems hard one week that they both can't muster enough any points for any fantasy football owners. But the next week, it looks like they're gaining a whole ton and you can rely on them for long term. So which is it? They're both Jekyll and Hyde teams, which to me is really hard to figure out. I think at the very least, my one big picture takeaway is that if you've got fantasy players going against either of these defenses started <laughs> yeah. atrocious today. I mean, it was fun to watch like an old school AFC West slinging the ball all over the field. But but that said, I, I think any optimism, I've, I've got a lot of friends that are Raider fans. I'm sure they're very optimistic now, but let's face it, it's, mm. it's the Browns. And other than Miles Garrett, I really didn't see a heck of a lot of a pass rush today. But I, I do think if the matchup's favorable, you want to, even on the offensive side of the ball, there are guys you want to start. And the thing with Mayfield, I, I think he opens up the offense and he'll mm. benefit guys like Callaway and Njoku and, and definitely Jarvis Landry. That said, when he giveth, he'll taketh away too, because I saw him force too many balls, not only throwing interceptions, but near interceptions. But you take what you can with him. And I, I do think David Carr looked better. And I know a few weeks ago, everyone was writing off Jordy Nelson, and I, I don't think you can the rest of the season. And they're starting to build up a rapport there. Jared Cook looks good at tight end. So at the very least, I, I think with both teams, they're going to be either in a shootout or coming from behind like the Raiders were at one point. So you can't roll out anyone on the offensive side of the ball for either of those teams. But that said, I think this is kind of a uh, a one-off with two pitiful defenses battling. Tyler, I, I do want to ask you on that. Two things I want to that come out for me as far as the whole game is concerned. One is Jared Cook looks like that type <laughs> of tight end that is going to hit big for you once every three, four weeks. You're going to have to keep him in there because if you, especially if he's the only tight end on your roster, but mm-hmm. there's going to be that one game that you're going to truly actually get those points from him every now and then. And number two is if Cleveland ever focuses and commits to running the ball, they've got two pretty good running backs, which can actually do wonders for their offense instead of relying so much on Baker Mayfield. Sure. Well, you know, I'm not a Jared Cook fan, and I kind of wrote off his week one production with the with the two touchdowns, but he's getting a lot of targets. And if Gruden is committed to 
trying to utilize his athleticism, then <laughs> you're not going to be able to stop him. It seems like in the past, Jared Cook just hasn't been able to put it together. Looks like Gruden is is really helping him do that. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him, but you can't you can't ignore the numbers. It is probably going to be up and down, but when you look at the targets, he's getting a lot of targets. And in fantasy football, you like seeing a lot of targets, especially for an athletic player like him. With Cleveland, you, you know, with Baker Mayfield, I, I I was I was kind of hoping to see if if there was like one receiver that he really liked going to. He did a really good job of spreading the ball around, even getting Rashard Higgins involved, who who somebody I thought was going to pop last season. So. But like Chris said, with a defense like this, you can spread the ball around when you're going up against the Raiders. So we might have to see some more from Baker Mayfield to see if he if he keys in on Jarvis Landry or, you know, if he's developing the chemistry with Callaway. We'll just that book hasn't been written yet. As far as the running game, you know what? Nick Chubb, I, I mean, you can't deny what he did. One of those runs was just awful tackling like nobody wanted to tackle the guy and and he he shouldn't have he shouldn't have scored a touchdown the other run the other uh, long run that he had he broke a tackle and then just outran everybody I mean he was gone and that's something Carlos Hyde you're you're not going to see Carlos Hyde do that so Nick Chubb I think today definitely earned himself more opportunities in the running game and so moving forward, if you're a Hyde owner, you kind of take a ding because, you know, with a two touchdown performance like that, he is going to get more opportunities to run the ball. But still, that's a great one to punch to have going forward in your future for Cleveland. You know what? I think that they've turned the corner. They haven't been blown out yet. And it's 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 week four and they haven't been blown out <laughs> so that is in my opinion a really really good good thing if you're a cleveland fan you know like chris said we'll see what happens when they face tougher defenses but this cleveland team has got a lot of talent and i think that there's going to be good things moving forward i don't know how many wins it's going to translate into but there's definitely some fantasy value on this team now on the offense again we'll have to wait and see you know when when baker mayfield kind of gets into his rhythm kind of see if we can see him pick a favorite in the passing game but there's definitely some fantasy value in this team we'll be right back with more of the fantasy football pater podcast check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmo show and the PCC multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on over 30 more podcast outlets. One last game I think we'll cover when it comes to week four in the NFL before I get to your guys' final thoughts. Well, we actually don't talk about them much, but you mentioned it briefly earlier in the episode, and that was the story behind the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants, where the New Orleans Saints, they're under the radar right now, Chris, but they're a solid three and one. They've got obviously a very good offense and their traditionally bad defense that still is there to some extent, although they performed much better today in facing off against the, I don't want to say ageless Eli Manning, because for the most part this season, he's looked very aged. Yeah, definitely aged. I do think it was a combination of two things. One, the Saints pass rush reemerged today, which is really going to help them, especially against NFC South opponents. 
look, a great pass rush can hide any holes in your secondary, and I, I think that's what we're seeing here. And then, two, even on the offensive side of the ball, I feel as though the Giants neutralized Mike Thomas and what happened, Kamara was getting some more carries. He was getting it more out of the backfield where he was spreading the ball around a little more, running a little more kind of trick sets with, with the next Michael Vick coming out of the backfield, <laughs> as they were alluding to today during the broadcast. But on top of that, I mean, it's it's not the typical one-dimensional Saints where if you stop Breeze or you rush him and you take the pass away, you're, you're not going to beat them. And, and frankly, the Giants' defense is been playing well. They played well today. They're missing Olivier Vernon, but they hung in that game. The score was kind of misleading. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, I don't know if if Eli Manning is done. As a Giants fan, I suspect that he is. Why the front office doesn't see it and didn't pick a quarterback uh, at least to kind of mentor a year under Eli and learn. Uh, I guess they just don't think Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, etc. were worth it. But that said, they've done nothing to address it. And you look at Eli's stats, and a lot of times his completion percentage looks good. But a lot of it is checkdowns, dump-offs to Barkley, Beckham coming over the middle on a five-yard crossing route, and him making something out of nothing. And mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, it's pathetic. I mean, you can take Eric Flowers off of that line. It's still the same cruddy offense. And OBJ has no touchdowns this year. And I think that epitomizes that this team cannot get it together on offense. And you can blame everyone you want. But at some point, you have to say – has Eli Manning lost it? And he's not as accurate and he's not as efficient in the red zone. And I I think that's where the finger needs to be pointed. There was definitely, I've heard from a lot of Giants fans that, you know, why did they get Barkley? Personally, I think it was a really good move. You get an absolute stud running back. You get him cheap for a couple years. You have Odell Beckham under contract. Sterling Shepard is young. Evan Ingram is young. This team is primed to get a good quarterback. And yeah, they definitely need help on the offensive line. Paying Flowers, I think, was a terrible idea. But this offense is a couple pieces away from being a really, really dangerous offense. And there's some really good pieces still on that defense, too. But right now, if you're an Eli Manning fan, you're you're just looking for him to go ahead and go out gracefully. But yeah, it looks like some changes are going to be need to be made in the next draft when it comes to the Giants offensive line and also the quarterback, because with all that abundance of talent everywhere else, it's just a matter of time to put those final pieces together mm-hmm. to, re- to see something really strong again in New York. All right, guys. I am with Chris Sardieri with Inside Sports and also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. You got to catch these shows. Both are on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many other different outlets. Chris, any last thoughts on the way out? Or why should people tune in every time the Inside Sports goes on the air? Oh, I, I appreciate it. And Gerald Tyler, thanks again. This is really fun. And thank you for letting me intervene. And by no means are, is this yet another podcast. I, I meant that in the sense that... Uh, That's I, okay. I mean, I, that, you could actually put that in quotations as part of our nickname. Yeah, no. Um, if, it gets, if it gets people to listen, you can call us whatever you want. Yeah, well, I like it. It's more a function of my uh, obsession with podcasts and the fact that even my kids know uh, when I'm doing a show and what I'm going to talk about. But regardless, so reason you should listen to our show, Charles and I break down the NFL. 
We're not going to give you shtick. We go over the topics each week. We don't have any TV contracts or any merchandising deals with the National Football League. So we're free to speak our mind. We pick games. We analyze them. We've got a segment called Gambler's Delight. We're kind of a little bit ahead of the curve on this before the Supreme Court made it the law of the land so states could legalize it outside of Nevada. Uh, we'd give a pick every week based on either over-unders or point spreads. And in mine, I try and pick underdogs with the points. It's kind of my shtick. And then I do a fantasy football segment. So we've got a little bit of everything. We try and condense it in a nice half hour show. Um, we joke around. We you know, give observations even on NFL announcing and media, just a little <laughs> bit of everything. It's not going to be the, the yuck fest you see on the network pregame shows on Sundays. In terms of final thoughts, I got to hand it to Tyler. I've got Sonny Michelle on my team. I've been waiting to start him. I probably should have pulled the trigger this week. I didn't. I think that's a running back that if you're lucky enough, he's out there in a league or can even swing a trade for him. I think he's going to carry the workload this year. And then his teammate at Georgia, you hit on this too, Nick Chubb. My son and I were very high on him in college, watching him play for the Bulldogs. And even though he didn't have a lot of touches today, I think he's going to be the Baker Mayfield equivalent in the backfield in Cleveland. He, every time he touches the ball, he's a threat to score or make a long run. And I think he's going to play his way into the starting lineup. So if you got some patience, stash him away. I'm not saying he's going to be this year's Camara, but he's got that big play capability. So those are my two to, to keep an eye on, especially in, in what's really become a, a thinning, thinning pool of talent for running backs in the fantasy football world. Well, I, I agree with you on that. And we touched on this in last week's podcast, right, Tyler? Because that the running back position is not as strong as what we thought it would be going into the season. No, and Chris is right. It's probably going to take a little bit of time. But what you saw today was you saw that speed. I mean, the guy broke a tackle, took it to the outside, and outran defensive backs. And that's not something that you're going to find on the waiver wire too often. So if he's out there, you have to get him. Maybe you don't start him right away, see what that timeshare is in the backfield. But if you have a dynasty or a keeper league, he's probably rostered. But if not, you need to go get him. Well, any of those thoughts additionally on that, my friend, on the way out, as far as anything that fantasy football owners need to pick up as far as maybe look at as soon as those waiver wires open on Wednesday, or maybe some injury news that people need to be updated on or be concerned about when it finalizes itself this week? I saw today that Geronimo Allison is in the concussion protocol. That's not a good sign for Green Bay. Randall Cobb is already jacked up. So the next man up is Marquez Valdez Scandling, <laughs> if I got his name right. there's. But this is a depleted team. <laughs> it's a team that I think would like to run the ball more. Aaron Jones is showing that that he's probably the better runner there. But Green Bay has got to overcome. Aaron Rodgers is still not 100%. They do have a bye coming up, I think, in week seven. I would expect to him to get back to Aaron Rodgers' form after that. But for right now, that team is just kind of limping along. So if you're a desperate needed receiver, Marquez Valdez scandaling may be an option. Tyler Eifert had a really gruesome ankle injury today. It was it was pretty bad. And Tyler Boyd has already been coming on. He's probably already rostered, but I think that op- opens the opportunity for Tyler Boyd to get even more targets. But other than that, I did see in San Francisco that Dante Pettis and 
Marquise Goodwin are both banged up. Um, we'll see what happens there. I think George Kittle, if George Kittle is available, if he's on the waiver wire, you have to go get him, especially with the nature of tight end right now is 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 pretty terrible. But it'll be interesting to see how Shanahan continues to be creative and do the dink and duck thing and, and, and help C.J. Beathard to at least put a competitive team out there. I'm not expecting them to win a lot of games, but I think there still is some some fantasy value to be had there. We'll be right back with more of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. I think that's about it. It was great having Chris on. Chris, what's your son's name? My son's name is Dominic. He's a Giants fan, but I got to tell you, he he basically is growing up at the right time in Los Angeles. We we live outside of LA. Taking him to Rams training camp the last three years. <laughs> enjoyed watching this team. And I told him the other day, you know, I know it's early, but you may have very well seen a Super Bowl contender at UC Irvine this past August. So he likes the Rams. He's also a Cam Newton fan. You, you know, kids at that age, they like a lot of different teams and players, especially mm-hmm. this, this younger generation. But he was bummed today at the Giants loss. I mean, I, I grew up right near Giants Stadium as a kid. My dad had season tickets, and naturally I brainwashed. I mean, pass that on to my son. <laughs> but uh, you know, for, for him to be in L.A. at a time where we've got a, not only a football team, one of the best in in the NFL is, is really cool for him. And I say, you know what, Dom, at least you got the Rams to watch on a week to week basis. Yeah, no joke. And I just moved from California and I went to the first preseason game that they were in LA. I went to that game and there was an incredible energy there. The Rams were back in Los Angeles and it was just super cool. And then when they signed McVay, I'm a Redskins fan, grew up a Redskins fan, went to Redskins training camp, grew up going to games. So I'm very uh, familiar with with uh, Sean McVay. And I knew when McVay went to Los Angeles that it was going to be something special. And I completely agree. I think that the best team in the NFL right now, I don't think that there's a team that's going to beat them this year as far as like going all the way to the Super Bowl. They're just a very, very good team, very well-coached team, a lot of talent on that team too. Someone who was living in the Southern California area for the first 25 years of his life and who saw the first go round for both the Raiders and the Rams <laughs> and to see the lack of, I don't know, I guess fan participation at times when they were in, playing in Angel Stadium and also the LA Coliseum. It is nice to see the talent that's been built up for both the Chargers and the Rams franchises. The Rams look like they are the best team in the NFL, and the Chargers don't look like chopped liver at all. They look like a very solid team themselves, maybe even a playoff run, I think, for them. That could be a possibility. 
I do want to make a correction. It does seem that at this point in time, the LA Coliseum, it's not retrofitted for 100,000 anymore. I know for a fact right now that they, with those big old USC jerseys that they go out, it's now been reduced to almost two thirds that and, and the USC doesn't fill that up anymore like they did in the old days. The Rams, however, there is an energy. It is not a full house yet from t- every time that they're down there, but it is on the way up. I love to see that support for the the Los Angeles community. That would it'd be even great if they could start selling it out some some of these games that would really make it really special. Your thoughts, guys, on both them and the Chargers moving to a new stadium in Los Angeles after you know however many billions of dollars are going to be spent on it your thoughts on both of them being able to coexist and also being able to be a functional part of the la community going forward because we've seen it before we've all from southern california at various points of time the la community the southern california community has not always supported the la football teams there but at least for now, in the case of one team, mm. at least they're making an effort in doing so right now. Chris, what are your thoughts? I think it's going to be the Rams. I think it's their city. If you've been to the Coliseum, as you sure you guys had, it's cavernous. It's from another <laughs> century. Uh, it's hot. It's hard to get in and out of. Yeah. Public transportation is getting a little better, but it's a hassle. I mean, my son keeps bugging me to go to a game. And and my answer to him kind of hits on why I think it hasn't sold out yet, besides the winning factor. It's hot when you go to that stadium. It's not your NFL stadium where you can kind of hide under the overhang or sit in a mm. section that's covered. That's part of it. And then, too, you look, there's a lot going on right now. The Dodgers are making yet another playoff run. The Lakers are starting up with LeBron James. So people's focus isn't solely on the Rams yet. But I, I, I feel as though, and I saw this last year, when the Rams got better and people realized they're making a playoff run, the crowds got bigger. That interest was there. That buzz was there. The Chargers, while I think they've got a, a nice team assembled, until they get a kicker or a coach that I can really <laughs> have some faith in, like a Sean McVay, I'm going to be skeptical. And look, I've got my sister-in-law lives in San Diego. I've got friends in San Diego, San Diego transplants. They're Chargers fans. They have no business being here. I'm not trying to be mean or abrupt by saying that, but one of my coworkers, a 49ers fan, he was at the game today. And if you watch the telecast, it was essentially a 49ers home game in a soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the problem the Chargers are going to have in that big stadium in Inglewood, brand new. I know the Spanoses want some of that money, even if they're just a tenant, but that problem is going to be magnified even more. It's going to mm-hmm. be empty and or filled up with opposing teams, red jerseys from Kansas City or orange from Denver, you yeah. name it. So while I think they're a good team, the whole thing was botched. It's another story we've discussed on the, the Football Talk podcast, but uh, I think they got an uphill battle from day one. Well, I um, also went to the first preseason game when the Chargers went to L.A., and I will tell you my experience was there's a college campus right next to, oh, I forget the name, uh, uh, StubHub Center. There's a college campus right oh, next uh, to it. Is it Dominguez Hills or? Uh... Something like that, Yeah. yeah. And so the parking was on the other side of this campus. Now school was out. And so I had to park a mile away and then walk through a mile of empty parking lots <laughs> to get to the game. And I could tell you there was no energy. They were playing, I 
I, uh, I forget who they were. Oh, they were playing the Seahawks. And it was nothing but Seahawks jerseys. And there was just not the energy. You know, the Rams are back. There was none of that. I, I don't think LA wants the Chargers. And just like Chris said, when they get that stadium built, it's going to be very evident when the Chargers play there that they don't have very many fans in LA. And it's sad because they have a decent team, but it's unfortunately one of those teams, like Chris said, that is always finding ways to lose games. I've like, they invent new ways to lose games and they're incredibly talented, but it's just unfortunate. And I think you're right. I don't think the Chargers belong in LA. I agree with both you guys on your assessment of the LA football scene. But what is even worse is the fact that the StubHub Center is the smallest by far NFL stadium. <laughs> and if most of the seats are filled up by the opposing team's fans, that really says a number about how many actual fans of the Chargers are showing up for their games. And that's, that's really a sad sign indeed. And I, I agree with you. Uh, they should have never left San Diego. I understand that the citizens of San Diego did not want to support a cavernous stadium venture. And depending on the community, some of these communities do not want to do that and, and have that kind of expenditure. I know in Las Vegas, it was a very hot topic on whether or not we should fund any, if at all, I get stuck with a bill as far as voters are concerned. I know it was very hotly contested before it was approved. So I understand that and I respect the voters and the, and the fans out there in San Diego, but to move away from, from a nice solid base and a nice solid area in the San Diego market, I thought was not a very good move. They might head back to San Diego or go somewhere else. I mean, my gosh, Al Davis was doing it for years. You know, he would go whatever the winds change where he, there he's gone. So in, in this market, in this age, I'm not sure how long they're going to last in LA, but We'll wait and see. But yes, you're right. It, clearly, if there's any team that's going to survive, if there's any team that's going to make it in the L.A. market, it appears to be, once again, the Los Angeles Rams, who hopefully this time will not move back to St. Louis for any reason well, and Chris is right. The LA Coliseum is a terrible place to watch a game. Like he said, it's just a, it's just concrete. The seats are uncomfortable. You're in the sun the entire time. But on the other side, StubHub is actually a great place to watch a game. It's a nice small stadium. So if your team is playing the Chargers, go. <laughs> It'll be a good time. And there'll be lots of friends with you. Isn't that right, Chris? Absolutely. I mean, um, you, know, you get a nice chant going. I mean, when the Eagles came last year, I think that was that was a poster child where the national media caught on and they were singing fly Eagles fly <laughs> as, uh, as, as they're kicking the ball off to the Chargers at one point. So, yeah, I couldn't tell it any better than that. It is Chris Lardieri from Inside Sports and also Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. Guys, it's been a great pleasure having you both on. Chris, you're always welcome to join us at any time on the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. So great to have you guys here, a part of the show, part of the pop culture cosmos, and of course, right here on the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast.